Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. It's time, it's time for the Draft Dudes Podcast. What's better than this? Your hosts, the Draft Dudes themselves and co-founders of the Draft Network, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino. Guys being dudes on the Draft Dudes Podcast. And it starts now. What's better than this? Guys being dudes here on the Draft Dudes Podcast. It's Joe Marino and Kyle Krabs. We are your host, Chris Schubert, here floating around producing this thing. We're from the Draft Network, and we're brought to you by Bet Online, your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team, mat- team matchup info, player news, and game trends over at Bet Online. And it's always the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your favorite sports and events, whether that's NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. So head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use our promo code BLEAV, that's B-L-E-A-V, to receive your rewards. It's BetOnline, and it's where the game starts. Kyle, as we kick off Thanksgiving week here on the show, it is extremely appropriate that I say Happy National Stuffing Day to you. Happy National Stuffing Day to you as well. Talk to me. Talk to me about... When's the last time you had stuffing? I today, had stuffing. I had it today. Oh, you did. I had it yesterday. When you say today and I say yesterday, do we really we're mean probably, Sunday, November twentieth? Yeah, we're, we're both talking about <laughs> Sunday, November twentieth. Yes. Jesus. Uh, yeah, I had Christ. it bird, uh, out of the bird, cooked in the turkey. You know, one of three Thanksgivings this week. We we had the first one on Sunday afternoon. Mm. And, uh, uh, there was stuffing, and we celebrated. Likewise, I had a brunch uh, Thanksgiving on Sunday. So we had the ham, we had the pineapple bake, we had the stuffing, we had a couple other casserole-style dishes. So uh, RIP the sodium this week, but uh, <laughs> you got to win some to lose some. And I'm willing to win, or I'm lo- willing to lose some this week, all things considered, so. Uh, shout out to Chris Schubert. The streak is intact. Uh, what is this? Four in a row, something like that. Um, three in a row. Four, three in a row. Three, sh- three shows in a row. But, but barely. But my guy. Hang, hanging on by a thread. He's got an I'm pretty sure he's got an IV in right now. I don't feel well, folks. I am fighting. I am. And it's, it's not because of the Jets. No. It, the Jets to, don't help. No, but it has nothing to do with that. It's, <laughs> I'm sick separately of that, and I've got no energy, but I'm here fighting on, keeping the streak alive, so here we are. Well, Chris, we're glad to have you, and uh, I know the entire Draft Dudes community is sending you their absolute best so that you can get back on the horse ASAP. I'm sure that's what they're doing, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, Joe, we got we to gotta talk about some dudes yep. from the weekend that that was. Um, really excited to see what you cooked up. I know I got some good ones. Um, <laughs> Why do you very, say it like that? No, it's just I, I always <laughs> I'm always interested to see what your uh, right. You're in Charlotte. I'm outside of Philadelphia, uh-huh. so we're not together on game weekends. Right. I want to know what your viewing experience was like. I want to I want to know 
what caught your eye because I'm on my own little island here on the show. Chris is in Phoenix. Or we know I'm not texting anybody all weekend. No, no, I know better. I texted Chris during the the one o'clock games on Sunday. I knew better than to text you because I just texted you to to talk about your favorite subject, which is James Lofton. (laughs) It was me and James Lofton. It took you six hours to get back to me. I know he didn't have replays for you to watch, so I don't know why it took so long to review and get back to me. But um, I got sure one. I got one guy that uh, will be unsurprising, and maybe two that you'll be surprised that I say. Um, okay. Shall we? Who want? Do you Let's, want me to go first? Give me, give me a dude. Give me a dude. All right, I'll give you a dude. My, uh, they're in no particular order. I've got two NFL dudes and one non, uh, one college dude. Uh, we will start with my um, one of my NFL dudes, and his name is my running back, Tony Pollard. Ah, my guy. My guy. Spot rack, you're going to have to update the market value, folks, because we got a star here. Six catches for 109 yards, two touchdowns, 15 rushes for 80 yards, handing the Vikings a, a, an L. 40-3 to three win for Dallas. And, you know, Dak had a nice game, but, man, it was really kind of about – uh, Tony Pollard and what he gave this team as a runner and a receiver. Of course, Zeke Elliott snipes to two rushing touchdowns. Uh, so congrats to uh, fantasy owners that put him in their lineups this week. But uh, in, a, in a big NFC game, right, this is one that'll probably have some implications when it comes to tiebreakers and seedings. The Cowboys made a statement, a big-time statement, and so did Tony Pollard, who just – you watch him play. Like, there's there's something about the way this guy – is when he has the ball in his hands. He hits the hole with convictions. He catches it. He's explosive. He is just a dude, right? And so I felt really good about this performance coming on the heels of uh, some of the conversations we've had this week, even on this podcast, talking about his market value and the free agency conversation. And I don't know what Dallas is going to do, but I don't feel like you can let this guy get out of your building. Yeah, man, he was electric and hat tip to – Dallas for finding the secret sauce to beat the Vikings, which is just keep your foot on their throat for 60 Jeez. minutes with the the pass rush that that Dallas had. I mean, that they yeah. really took over that football game, and that in turn allowed Tony Pollard to do the things that Tony Pollard does, right? Because, you know, the, the recipe, run the ball, and when you get up on top and you're, you're looking to kill a team, they have the ability to run the ball and, and, and really kill the clock the way that they did. Well, and I know that there's no silver linings here for Minnesota. You lost 40 to three, but if you could understand the the value of Christian Darrisaw, you know, him not being available in this game and yeah. the consistent harassment that, you know, Kirk cousins was under sack seven times, uh, hit a billion more times. Uh, Christian Darrisaw would have helped in this football game. 13. It was- oh my God. 13 quarterback hits and seven sacks. The guy dropped back to pass 23 times. Woo. So, it was Parsons. It was Demarcus Lawrence. Dorrance Armstrong. Dorrance Armstrong. It was Fowler. It was the whole gang. Mm-hmm. Everybody got in on the party, and a lot of it came cascading in off the left-hand side in the absence of Christian Darrisaw. So I I love your point there, Joe, that like if you're a Minnesota fan and you're looking for things to take away from this game, it's the value of your first round pick from last year and how impactful they are uh, when he's on the football field. So I think that's a good call. I have a dude 
who, if I had a vote, and I don't, want to be abundantly clear, I don't, but if I had a vote, this guy would probably get my first place Heisman vote. I mean, it's not the name that you have written down on the card. Joe just held up a card. Was that it was were you worried about a, an overlap of dudes here? Nope. Left them on a table for you. I left Great. them on the table. Well, so pivot if you it. need to. I don't. I don't need to because I'm going to talk about Caleb Williams, oh, the quarterback at Good USC. Call. Yep. Uh the 10 and 1 USC Trojans. Uh their only loss being that like big time 43-42 collapse or whatever it was to Utah when they were up big yeah. early in the game and Utah just kind of went nuts, but uh, you know, Caleb Williams, they they lost Travis Dye. They get Mario at or Mario Addison. Jeez, they get Jordan Addison <laughs> back, and it just it he has just been on a tear the past month. And you're out here and you're watching the throws, and that's what it is for me that really moves the needle. It's and we we saw this in the film study that we did. Chris, I think you were on this one, but we watched the season opener against, I think, Rice. That is correct, study. yes. And he had a throw in that game where he was flushed off his spot and he was rolling to his left. And he's kind of across his body. And he has this snappy release. And he gets so much velocity <laughs> when he's on a dead sprint away from his throwing side. And he did it again against UCLA. and. I just have such an appreciation for the ability to throw the football that he has. And I think he can really get a lot more polished at some of the the timing components of playing the position. And I think he can even lean into his athleticism more and be more quick at times to tuck the ball and run. So you're sitting here and you're looking at all this production for Caleb Williams and how phenomenal he's been and how dynamic he's been. And he, you walk away from the tape, it's like, man, he's got all this talent. He's capable of doing all these incredible things, all these incredible throws. And it still feels like he's just scratching the surface of what he's capable of doing. And I have an appreciation for for his impact on the Trojans program. Obviously, we've seen what USC has looked like the last couple of years. And obviously, Lincoln Riley's come in there, but he brought Caleb Williams with him. And he has this team. In the thick of the college football playoff, whether you like it or not, you know, obviously, you know, you're going to get a team in the top four that loses next weekend when Michigan and Ohio State play each other. Tennessee just went down. They came, USC came into the weekend seventh. They beat the 16th team in the country. They're going to have a say down the stretch, depending on how things go. And there's make no mistake, Caleb Williams has carried the Trojans the past month or so. And because of that, he'd have my Heisman vote right now. If I had a vote, and uh, he's one of my dudes this week. Obviously not draft eligible till next year, um, but we don't always get the opportunity to meet all the top quarterbacks, but we we did uh, Caleb Williams at, at QB retreat and got to spend some time with him. And the skill set's pretty exciting, but so is the guy, right? Like just getting a chance Gets to, to speak with him. You, there's really no doubt about him being able to be a real leader and, and a, somebody you'd be really proud of as the face of your franchise. So, Good chance, Mister Williams. There is the uh, the total package, and um, if I if I didn't write down the the name that I did, I would have written down Caleb Williams because I felt that coming from you, and that was yeah. a well deserved shout out. Um, my my next dude, coincidentally, um, former teammate of Mister Caleb Williams, uh, his uh, his 
his backup quarterback last year. That's right, Spencer Rattler. What what in the world, guys? 63, 63 points against points. Tennessee. They beat him 63 to 38. Spencer Rattler's 30 of 47 for 438 yards and six touchdowns. Folks, Spencer Rattler has averaged under 200 passing yards per game this year, 198 entering this game, eight touchdowns on the season, nine interceptions on the season. My guy goes in and lights up the Vols for 438 passing yards, six touchdowns, 63 points, the most ever allowed by Tennessee in an SEC game. Folks, South Carolina didn't top 300 total yards in three of their last four games. I don't know what happened with Spencer Rattler on Saturday night, but my guy made throw after throw after throw against Tennessee to the tune of six touchdowns and 63 points. Just an absolutely insane performance. I think he said uh, after the game that, uh, he he didn't feel like he could miss. Like he was just in a zone. He he couldn't miss, and it was just a special night for him. Um, and it, it, they, it, it was one of the best offensive games I've ever seen from a football team. And, and you just didn't expect it, uh, given how really just mediocre, below average the Gamecocks have been on offense all season long. Also, a little uh, little side dude here, Jaheim Bell. How about this guy? He's a tight end. He had 17 rushes for 82 yards in this game. Led the team. Also had two receiving touchdowns on five catches. So uh, this was the um, this was at least part of what I think South Carolina was hoping for when Spencer Rattler became their quarterback. Uh, I guess better late than never, but just an, an all time performance for Spencer Rattler against Tennessee, burying the Volunteers' college football playoff aspirations. Can we pour one out for Rocky Top? Yeah, what I mean, just I'm like rough... big, big mad man because the Such social a media fun thing? team. No, oh. no. <laughs> oh, you're just mad just, about the Vols. Okay. Yeah, the team that they're such a fun football yeah. team. Josh Heupel sucks us in. We're a couple of goofballs. Oh yeah, they can do it. They can really do it. How do you defend this offense? Well, you score sixty three points. <laughs> Thirty eight points. If you told me, Ted, come on, 38 points should have been enough to beat, beat South Carolina, right? Well, all right, I'm going to do the thing. Make sure I Meanwhile, pound the key so everybody can appreciate that I am indeed doing something right now. So just give me a second. one out for Hendon Hooker, by the way. Torn ACL, man. Uh, and Yeah, and that, God, that, that was part of, part of it that, that really ticked me off after the game was to find out that Hendon Hooker had that kind of injury. Like, that just, it stinks, man. That's Cedric so Tillman's back for the game. You know, he's making an early impact. They're like, okay, they're going to be just fine. They couldn't stop him. Jeremy Banks must be like the – he was the guy on defense that, that Tennessee was missing, their, their Mike linebacker. And, I mean, I don't know if it's that easy as, as saying Jeremy Banks is the difference, but, man, that defense had looked this bad all year. Okay, so I didn't anticipate South Carolina was going to put 56 up on Charlotte. Because I was going to ask when the last time was. Okay, South the Carolina two and nine in. Charlotte 49ers that fired their right. coach already. And then they put up 50 on South Carolina State. Okay. So, so like the, their previous their previous high against Power 5 competition was they put 30 on Arkansas and A&M this year. And they more than doubled that against Tennessee. 63. 63 points so yeah that happened pouring out for rocky top obviously it's a bummer 
we um we were fans of what they were working with over there and and then the wheels fell off the bus and life goes on and Joe if I had to ask you right now obviously this is not part of like the scheduled programming but what does your college football playoff look like right now? Uh, this Wait. will be the f- this will be the first time I've thought of it right here this moment. Um, so you have Ge- you have Georgia right? Let's we could do it together. Georgia, um, the winner of Michigan and Ohio State. Do you think the loser still gets in? What happens with TCU? They'll get in. So if they, it, it, I mean, they they got one obviously one more to play, and then the Big Twelve championship. But right now, the a the AP top twenty five is Georgia, Ohio State, Michigan, TCU, USC, and then LSU at nine and two. No, is, bo- Kyle, is boxing out Clemson. If USC wins out, they're in for me over the loser of Ohio State and Michigan. So I'll go USC, TCU, Georgia, and. Winner of Ohio State. Winner of Ohio State. State. Not not in that order, but those four teams. So USC, they have number 18 Notre Dame next weekend. So this is two top 20 games to close the season and then the Pac-12 championship. Yeah, they will have earned it. They will have earned it. Uh, TCU, to close the regular season, has Iowa State. That's at home. Mm -hmm. I bet that's a chaotic game just kind of based off everything TCU has done throughout the entirety of the season this year. Uh, and then they, obviously they would have the Big 12 championship game. The loser of Ohio State, Michigan, uh, will not be in the conference championship. This is the de facto conference championship, and then the winner of this game has the right to go play, what, Iowa? <laughs> right. 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 Just don't get hurt. Man, if you told me that USC loses one of the next two, I'd almost rather lose Ohio State, Michigan. I, you know, yeah, wouldn't you rather lo- lose the game and not have to go play the extra game in the conference championship? I well, if you knew that you were going to get in, yeah, yeah, that's the same proposition you gave the Georgia fans last year at the SEC championship game when we went down and said, "Okay, I could tell you right now." I guarantee that you lose the SEC championship game to Bama, but then you win the national championship. None of them took it. Nobody wanted to take that. Nobody They're wanted. Like, no, we don't want the national cha- We don't want the guaranteed national championship. We'd rather Wasn't just that crazy? try to beat Alabama. Yeah. Wasn't that that was so crazy to me? <laughs> I gave it to like multiple people. Yeah, they're, like, they're selfish, right? It's, they they want to have their cake and eat it too. They, yeah. they don't want to have to compromise. Nothing, nothing can in football can ever be assumed ever. All right, you want another one of my dudes? Yes. I'm going to go off a little bit for us, for a guy who was a brand guy for us. Um, This is a wide receiver at the NFL level. Five receptions for 102 yards and a touchdown on Sunday. Chris Olave, (laughs) one of my dudes. Take it. He um, hit the 52-yarder up over the top, looked very familiar to the – the big catch that he hit against Clemson in the the college football playoffs in the same stadium, so that was kind of fun. He had the kind of that deep post that Fields hit him with. Mm-hmm. He had what looked like the very same exact performance, um, and he was targeted six times, caught five passes, over twenty yards a catch. Um, 
You know, it, it, the, the translation's been there, and he gives them a, a dynamic that, just in spite of the struggles, obviously the Saints are now four and seven, having beaten the Rams, and uh, they're kind of buried down in there. And if they're going to make the playoffs, they they pretty much have to win the rest of the games. And it's safe to say that's not going to happen after they have lost three of their last five. Uh, the Arizona, Baltimore, and Pittsburgh being the losses. But for Chris Olave to be the selection that he was, and for the thought process be he's going to be your fourth option in the offense, right? You got Mike Thomas, you got Alvin Kamara, you got Jarvis Landry, and then Olave's probably your four. What option is he in this offense? Olave? Yeah, like the 1B. He's way ahead of schedule. Yeah, and he's still, that, that's a good it, way to put it right there. He is way ahead of schedule, and he is performing way above expectations for a guy who was supposed to struggle with press on the outside in the NFL. And I know that does it doesn't really surprise us because we were huge fans of his game. Yeah. Right. For like two but years. The, right. But there was the right. And, and that was the whole, you know, I, I liken to I, I see a lot of Devante Smith in Chris Olave's game. But Chris is a, a little bit of a bigger player than Devontae Smith is. And Devontae Smith's been an excellent pro for the Philadelphia Eagles. Shout out the Eagles. They squeaked that out against the Colts and uh, helped us avoid eating some really nasty tasting grow for Jeff Saturday if he'd have started 2 and 0 with based on our reaction to that news, along with everybody else. But you no, know, he, I mean, he's averaging like 15 yards a catch this season. He's doing all the things that he did at Ohio State. And it's translating immediately in spite of him being exponentially higher in the list of targets for New Orleans than where he was scheduled to be when they came into the season. And oh, by the way, he's doing it with the backup quarterback. Yeah. yeah. Just fin- it's, it's been a phenomenal year for him. And it's kind of lost in the fact that the Saints are four and seven and they've underwhelmed versus, well, they hit playoff expectations. And that's a yeah. bummer. But Chris Olave deserves his flowers for his individual performance in the Saints offense because um, he, he's performing to the upper tier of what we thought that he was capable of right away. Yeah, very excited about Chris Olave and and for things to stabilize with the Saints and allowing him to really just continue to mature and become a really really high caliber playmaker. Big big time start for him and he you know he didn't have we were fans but there were some critics out there man like. For sure. So good good to see him coming through for us. Uh, my last dude, every once in a while, I'll throw a self-serving dude in there, and, and this is going to be one of those times. Bill's linebacker, Matt Milano, mm. good football player, guys. I, what, I, do you have 20 tackles in the first half? Uh, well, he had 12 in the game, so well, <laughs> not quite, but he was, close. He, 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 he was terrific against Cleveland, uh, game the Bills need to have, obviously losing the last two games. And it, the the game started very much every, how you feared it would. Um, Bills looking very sluggish, and you worried about the dynamics of the week uh, that they had and the snowstorm and all that. But it, Matt Milano recovered a fumble, and and it changes changed the entire game. And I'm not sure that you know it was a it was an unforced fumble, but Matt was able to get on it. Uh, a mishandled exchange on the snap, and he recovered the ball. But he just made a lot of plays: twelve tackles, three for loss, a sack to go with the fumble recovery. Um, and you know, Nick Chubb had 14 rushes for 19 yards in this game. And, um, I, I, I was very afraid of, of playing against Nick Chubb and, and him just being able to kind of snatch the Bills' soul. 
Um, and that didn't happen or, or even come close to it. And I think Matt Milano deserves a lot of credit for that. And he's playing at a high level. And I think he's been a good player since he's been to the Bills. And and I, you know, I'd, I'd love to see him starting to get some more recognition. So I'll allow that to begin with me with uh, Matt Milano being one of my dudes this week. I get another dude. I think you guys will enjoy this one. Big Dan Campbell. One of my dudes. Oh, Kyle week. is doubling down. All right. Go ahead. Big Dan Campbell <laughs> and the Detroit Lions went to the Big Apple and took a big old bite out of the New York football giants. New Jersey. Final score, 31-18. 31 points for the third time in four games. They're moving the ball. They got DJ Chark back this week, but it's still the Amon Ross St. Brown and Jamal Williams show. They're playing physical up front. They held Saquon Barkley to one and a half yards per carry in this game. Daniel Jones led the team in rushing Aiden Hutchinson and Kirby Joseph, a couple of rookies with interceptions of Daniel Jones. And the Detroit Lions are magically riding a three-game win streak. We all blinked, and the Lions are four and six. They got the Bills on Thursday night. It's at home. Okay, sure. Jeff, yeah. Jeff Akuda already ruled out, sounds like, a concussion protocol, so that's not great for the Bills. But hear me out. They got the Jaguars left on the schedule. They got the Panthers left on the schedule. They got the Bears left on the schedule. We're some winnable games out here. <laughs> Left to be had. Killing me right now. The momentum is real. And the four and six Detroit Lions, Joe, are in second place in the NFC North right now. This was a team three weeks ago after they owner had to come out four weeks ago and give the old pep talk to the media ahead of playing the Dolphins. And we believe and we're doing this and that. Well, they came out like gangbusters against the Dolphins and then didn't they got shut out in the second half and lost. And all they did was they beat the Packers. They held on against the Bears on the road. They beat the Giants on the road. A couple of tough, gritty wins for this team. This was the most complete performance yet of the season for my money. Dan Campbell, they're buying into the culture. They might have a, a corner to turn here. And if they beat Jacksonville, Carolina, and Chicago, and if they find a way to steal one more, you're looking at an eight-win football team for the Detroit Lions, and our Lions can be back. And Dan Campbell, hanging, hanging on by a thread there, looked pretty ugly a couple weeks ago. Can't do this. But they righted the ship, <laughs> and they're now riding a three-game win streak, and I raise my glass to Dan Campbell and the Detroit Lions for their effort in doing so. There you go, Chris. Cheers. I am just in legitimate fear that you just tanked the season for him. Did you, you just, it was the kiss of death. The Kyle Krabs buy no, in here. It's house money. We know they're going to lose to Buffalo. Oh, you don't say that. We know they're going to lose to Buffalo. No, no, we don't know then, that. Then they got home Jacksonville and Minnesota at jets at Panthers home against the bears and at Packers to close the season. I think they get. I think they get at least seven. Is that okay? All right. And we, I think when we did season prediction, we had them at like eight. Yeah. yeah. 
we had him at eight, and they were like, oh, do we bump him up? Do we get him to nine, get him in the playoffs? Like, Detroit's got, like, a legit chance here to be playing meaningful football you, in, around Christmas. I've watched every Lions game this year, not the, not the Giants yet. I will at some point this week. I've been very complimentary of the Lions all year long. But they, they just didn't always win games. They got a lot of good stuff going on, man. That's what I keep saying. It's like, guys, there's good stuff going on here with this offensive scheme. They got a lot of young yep. talent on defense. Yep. It's got to come gonna together. Some of these, we're going to get some of these wide receivers back. Yeah. Yeah, it's too bad they don't have J-Mo. Soon. Yeah, December. what can you realistically expect, though? You know what I mean? Like, Give me a couple shots down the field per game. Right. But I mean, like. Get more spacing for the, Saint. Yeah, Brown. the the reps is going to be big. Yeah, I, I understand that, but like the reps will be big for him. But like, I, I'm excited for him next year. We'll see what the team looks like. I mean, I want it for him. I want it, but now I'm scared that you tanked them. Well, if I tank them, you're welcome because their next team oh. is the Buffalo Bills. We'll see. Short week, their place. The right. Bills second home. Second home. The dome away from home. Jeez, is that a T-shirt yet? Well, we've had to play there twice now because of snowstorms, right? Right. Is that a t-shirt yet? <laughs> Not yet. Oh, okay. I think we should get on that one. All right. Uh, you wrote a mock draft. I haven't seen it yet. This will be the first time. Yeah. Um, I, I guess we're going to go for it. Um, it is in a little bit of flux, right? Uh, we are re- <laughs> We're recording this um, Sunday night. It drops at halftime of Sunday Night Football. Uh, Sunday Night Football is getting ready to kick here in just a couple minutes to let everybody in like draft dudes behind the music here. Um, but yeah, let, let's let's go off of it with, with what's down. I, I know based off of like the Minnesota-Dallas outcome, that wasn't going to change anything for me. So I don't think the 4 o'clock games are going to throw any crazy uh, change-ups in the order. So we should be fairly good to read through here. I had Cincinnati out in, in front and beating Pittsburgh, so we're good on that front. So yeah, let's um, let's go ahead and take the journey together. Let's do it. All right, I'm look. I have it scroll. I have it on my screen, so I can just see the first eight picks. Yep. And any fits, any individual team fits with players that really pop to you. Let's just talk about that. Can I ask you this? Yes. What, what you have just at number one, you have the Houston Texans picking C.J. Stroud, a perfectly reasonable pick. Just curious. What? How you landed there? Like, why was um, that the the quarterback for that team with that pick? Not being critical, just legitimately ta- curious. How taking you got taking from the commentary, Stroud has the best mix of physical traits and attributes and production. He is the most direct projection to the NFL, and because of that, he is the choice for the Texans. Okay. Got it. All right, you, I should read the commentary. I would have known. Yeah, you know. It's, it's like reading the article, right? Always send the always send the angry tweet before you actually read the article. I don't take exception with any of these fits, Kyle. I, I think the one that makes the most sense to me is Tyree Wilson to Seattle, right? It's like it's perfect. Yeah, it's their kind of guy through and through. Uh, all the traits in the world um, need a player like that in Seattle. So big fan of that selection. Um, I'm guessing some of the order of this is having to do with the fluctuations in the results, right? Right. Like Pittsburgh losing, dropped them a couple spots. The Raiders uh, were picking two. 
Right. And then they won, so they bumped the four. But like I'm it it is what it is. It, it's Stroud to the Texans, it's Bryce Young to the Panthers, it's Skaronsky to the Bears. Is that early? Yes. But like they don't have a wide receiver that's a slam dunk home run. So I'm not I'm I'm gonna give him a player I think is the best fit. And then you get Will Anderson and Tyree Wilson as the next two picks. Man, I, I and I I do genuinely think Tyree Wilson is a better fit for Seattle than Jalen Carter is. Carter's pretty scheme diverse, but yeah, if you if you want to have guys that can really play physical, but it can also reset the line of scrimmage and can stack blocks, like it's Tyree Wilson's game. So uh, he's at five to Seattle, and that might feel high, but I, I think he's earned it with his play this year uh, to be in that stratosphere of, the, of a top eight pick. I mean, he's he's played excellent. All right, I'm ready to look at the next eight. All right, all right, all right. This is real-time reactions. Oh, gosh, I like these receiver fits. Thank you. Jordan Addison to the Jaguars, perfect. Quinton Johnson to the Packers, perfect. Brian Breezy to the Eagles, what a dream. It's a nice right. batch of picks here. I, I like these. All these corners go to good spots, too. Got to run on corners here with Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter, uh, Keely Ringo, and Cam Smith. Four, wow, wow half of these picks – uh, nine through 17 are are corners. And I think they're good values to to situations that make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, Man, yes. So I we love were, this. Love this. So we were very trench heavy in the first eight. We went QB, yep. QB, O-line, D-line, 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 O-line, <laughs> top eight. Then it was wide receiver, D-line, wide receiver, corner, corner, quarterback, corner, corner for the top 16. And it's like Cam Smith to the Commanders. He was excellent against Tennessee. Uh, Keely Ringo to Atlanta. You think about, you know, obviously he's a, a local product. They're going to know him really well. Um, it, you mix him with the, the current existing talent, and I, I think you suddenly have a little bit more well-rounded group, especially when you think about the NFC South and the wide receivers they're going to have to cover. Christian Gonzalez is CB1 for me right now, and he went off at 12 to Arizona and had Joey Porter right behind him. Um, I think both of those guys, just from a ball production standpoint, this year have been a little bit better than Ringo, and that was enough for me in the lexicon of like really big, long, physical, athletic corners kind of went in the order in which I felt like they they were illustrating complete games. And I do think Gonzalez is, is a little more fluid than Joey Porter is as well. So that was a deciding factor for the order in which the corners came off the board. Okay. I think it's perfect. Um, I'm a little sad that I've not, I think I've seen three offensive tackles off the board and my guy, Broderick Jones, isn't one of them. He's coming. He's, he's coming. coming. All right. You, now, oh, he's, yeah, he's coming. <laughs> yeah, he, he's literally the next pick. We, we <laughs> the next pick. Paris Johnson in the Chargers and then Broderick Jones. And the <laughs> only reason, and I said this in the commentary, so always read the commentary. The only reason Paris Johnson came off in front of Broderick Jones is the Chargers have a need at right tackle. And Paris Johnson's played on the right side of the line. Okay, He's played right guard and left tackle, so therefore you feel comfortable about him playing in a right-handed stance as compared to Broderick Jones. Ah. <sighs> Okay, got the next eight loaded up here. It's a weird stretch. It, yeah, well, that's it's this class in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Okay, all right. I'm I'm digesting here. I'm digesting. <laughs> um, 
Okay, so I, I want to hear from you on some of this. Um, yeah. Dewan Jones, offensive tackle from Ohio State, number 20 to Denver. I don't hate it, but I, I this is a, a newer name, right, for this area of the conversation. I, I hate it. This was the last pick I made. Like, I literally skipped it and made 21 through 31 uh, and then said, is there any name here that I would want to move up and give to Denver instead? And it's like, no. Mm. I love Brian Branch as a football player. Is this thinking about kind of expiring contracts at safety for, for the Jets? Well, at 24? Well, and just real quick on Dewan Jones, too. The other name I had penciled in here was Jalen Duncan. And this, oh, this, God, is, yeah. this is not reactionary to just Jalen Duncan against Ohio State, but he has largely struggled with speed off the edge all year long. And I think we, we probably need to confront our priors on Jalen Duncan as a player that we really liked at TDN and like ask ourselves the hard question. And like I can see him kind of falling into the uh, Nicholas Petit Friere bucket as a guy who has the length, has the measurables, but it's just not not quite all together yet. And as a result of that, he's probably a day two pick. But Jalen Duncan was originally in that spot that jo- Dewan Jones went to at twenty. You have three offensive weapons going here. Uh, Rasheed Rice, the Bills, 24. Pijan Robinson to the Ravens at 25. Mm. You know they ain't letting them get past them. There's no way, right? They're just it's, that team was, that's going to pull the trigger. Perfect. It was too perfect. Right. It's like, oh, yeah, the Ravens did the Ravens thing that they always do. And then Jalen Hyatt, uh, everything that the Tennessee Titans would love to have at wide receiver right now. So, um, And then Michael Mayer right behind that at Dallas well, at 27. Then I, yeah, I'd have to scroll down one more to see that. Just, uh, just, just tying the whole thought that you had yeah. together there. Uh, this is a nice little stretch here. Nice. I knew you were going to give the Bills a receiver. Um, and, and thank you. Uh, I will take Mr. Rice here at 24. <laughs> yeah, he's he's a good player. Um, he has the Joe Marino stamp of, of approval and endorsement as a football player. Not necessarily <laughs> through a Bills-specific lens, but like right. uh, we, we last week we were on the TDM Premium Discord and we, we talked a little bit about um, – the Bills offense and we talked about the backs and we talked about the wide receivers behind Stefan Diggs and um kind of had some observations about Gabe Davis. So you know just kind of picking your brain through that. I'm like, okay, like I'm I'm more comfortable picking more skill players for Buffalo than what I think I was before that conversation. Just just getting some perspective yeah. on the team. And I don't think there's a good scheme fit that that you could take at left guard right now and, and fill in right. for Roger Sav like Osiris Torrance goes in the first round of this mock draft, but it's not, I don't really see that as a good fit for Buffalo with his body type and skill set. So I passed on that. John Michael Schmitz was already off the board. He came off at, at what was it? 21 to Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, yeah, just looking for for more explosive weapons in that offense. And obviously James Cook had a nice game for the bills on Sunday against the Browns. So you like to see that you're encouraged by that for James Cook and, and getting a little more athletic production in the backfield. Um, but yeah, I really like this fit. And you mentioned Jalen Hyatt to Tennessee. I love that specific fit yeah. for the sense of this is a run heavy offense. So you're going to get more eight man boxes. You're going to get more middle of the field close coverage as safety's trying to roll the safety down and the play action shot plays that are, are built into that on the perimeter to, to take shots down the field is a really nice mix. And I really love that fit. All right, here we go. The always well, I, intru- Chris oh, got sorry. a question. 
I just I, have a question for Kyle. Hi, he's al- he's alive. I want to make sure we give him a chance here. <laughs> uh, does Brian? Can Brian Branch throw the football? Can he play the quarterback oh. position? <laughs> Chris, curious, I hate I, I hate to tell you this. You've already won too many games to have a serious conversation right. about who well, that you would would pick. You hate well, to see it. Anthony Richardson. <laughs> Yeah, that's. I, I mean, I was kind of on the fence with with putting a, a fourth QB oh, in here. I ultimately did brother. not. Kyle, if you if you dropped a mock draft today that had the Jets picking a quarterback in the first round, man, rest in peace. No, I I don't think Jets fans would be the ones that would be mad at me. Really? Did you watch? I tend to. I, mean, I, did, I, but I also watched. I attend to agree with two Kyle weeks ago, here. Play winning football against a good Bills defense. Yeah, he played winning football against the Patriots too. He didn't turn the ball over, and you know what they did? They coached. They coached for overtime, three three, when they had the ball on the thirty five yard line with a minute left in timeouts, and they're running inside zone out of shotgun in a two minute offense situation because they don't trust their quarterback to throw a forward pass. It was pathetic to watch. And I'm sorry, ball don't lie, but like karma came and got you with the punt that lost you the football game for the way that you handled the end of game situation. If you don't trust your quarterback that bad, you need to do something to give him a chance or he shouldn't be playing period. All right. In an alternate uh, mock draft jets fan, you can have Anthony Richardson, Anthony Richardson. If you want to pencil him in, go right. Cam Ward's out there, you know, <laughs> plenty of names. Uh, can I scroll? <laughs> yeah, go for it. All right. So it's like not really the back eight anymore. It's the back two, four, six, I guess somehow. Yeah. Oh, seven yeah. or f- four. I don't. I don't. Yeah, I mean, you got you got the math. twenty. You got the twenty six, and then I added in Mayer. So there should only be four surprise picks. You know, Kyle. <laughs> By the way, we're the- adding we're adding a second round this week. I hate you for that because that means I have to do. Well, a you know, round that was week. my instructions that were given to me. By my oh. supervisor and content, so you don't got to be mad at me for that. I'm not doing that. Oh, all right, appreciate that. Um, okay, I like some of this. Yeah. Um, Osiris Torrance for the Giants. Big fan of that pick. Um, Devin Witherspoon to the Vikings, Minnesota. That's probably a contingency for Pat Pete, because. Right. I mean, that's got to be your thinking there. Right. Like for yeah. moving on. There. And I, I'm still optimistic on Andrew Booth, but like yeah. Cowboys went at him pretty hard on Sunday. Yeah. Um, but you get excited about a couple of physical corners who can tackle like Booth can and, and Witherspoon yeah. long term. It's a pretty exciting mix. Gibbs. Gibbs to the Chiefs. Clark Phillips to the Eagles. There is something about Clark Phillips that is going to make you not care that he's 5'10", 170 pounds, right? Like, he's just yeah. he's a ball player, right? Just He takes away the ball. He's really athletic and smart in coverage. And, like, yeah, he's he has some moments where you're like, yeah, you're small and he, he struggled, but, man, he competes. I I don't hate you for putting him here in the end of this first round. Man, I, I loved getting Philly a corner and a defensive lineman. Obviously, the, the, the Eagles went – Went out this week and they signed Linval Joseph and Indomitian Sue to try and add to the offensive line. So obviously it's on their mind that they need some depth there. So giving them Brian Brzee with that pick uh, that came courtesy of the New Orleans Saints, uh, which at the start of the weekend uh, was penciled in to be a top five pick and would have been Jalen Carter, but the Saints won. So uh, Eagles fans, if you don't like Brzee and you would have liked Carter, you can make sure that you thank dude this week, Chris Olave for that. Uh, and and then you get Phillips, and I'd have given him Witherspoon if I found somebody else from Minnesota that I would have really felt good about. Yeah, 
Uh, and I would have been really excited about Brzee and, and, and Witherspoon, but, but Phillips kind of the next man down, obviously Bradbury's still in a one-year deal. So I thought that was a very more, it was a more appropriate Howie Roseman type approach to first round draft selections. And the icing on the cake was that both the running backs were off the board when they picked. So it wasn't even a temptation for me to pick a running back, even though, you know, I think that can be an upgrade opportunity for them. Who's the, who's the name that's missing here? Um, originally, no, no, no linebackers, right? No, linebackers. no, no linebackers. So Trenton Simpson and Henry uh, Toa Toa yep. and Noah Sewell were all and left no, off. Sewell. Antonio Rich or Antonio Johnson was left off from A&M. Yeah. He was a name that was originally in. Uh, I originally had Isaiah Foskey off and he found his way in as, as kind of the order kept updating throughout the day on Sunday. Um, Jalen Duncan, we've already mentioned, but I kind of went into yeah. the thought process there. Yeah. That fourth quarterback, whoever that is for you, for most people, it's Anthony Richardson. Those were the names that really yeah. popped to me. I mean, I guess you could invoke the names like Kayshawn Boutte and Jackson Smith and Jigba if you wanted to. Darnell Washington got left off. Yeah. Tight end, this tight end class is deep, man. Like I'm, I'm really liking more and more of like the day two options. Yeah. And I think the thing about Darnell Washington is like he's 270 pounds and he blocks like it. So you're getting like a legit blocker, which is not why you're drafting any tight end in the first round, but he does have the receiving skill, but like, does he have enough of that? You know, it's it, right. I agree with you. I agree with you. And it, well, especially when mayor gets to 27, right now you're like, well, yeah, you got another twenty five picks before you're probably talking right. about the next and, tight end. And I like that you like we. I think we've been on a run of tight ends to the Chargers, and like, okay, that's great, but they need a tackle, and, and maybe it's as simple as they get Slater back and Sawyer plays the other side. Um, I'd have to look at their other contracts because I don't know if any of those guys on the inside are are up soon. But I I, I get it. I do. Maybe saw. I don't know. It's interesting what they could do there. We can't just you can't just mock a tight end to the Chargers for six months. You know what I mean? That's kind of crazy, right? Right. And I've done it the last two times. So I said, okay, yeah. like let's let's yeah. get a new name in here new. and and mix it up a little bit. Yeah, I happy with how it came week, out though. So, yeah, you do. It's a good mock. I enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you very much. That's uh that's gonna do it for us to hear today on Draft Dudes. Kyle Krabs, Joe Marino, uh, the ghost of Chris Schubert, still still floating around producing this thing. So we we. <laughs> Hope he gets his IVs and his fluid, and we'll we'll see him with all of you tomorrow. <laughs> I look like a ghost. He's got his. I wish you could all see it. He's got his hood up right now. You could tell he's a little pale. He's he feeling it pale. a little well, bit. Yeah, I'm not looking good. A little, little worse for the wear, but get this so we're gonna go. Tea. <laughs> we're gonna let him get out of here. Uh, thanks to our friends over at Ben Online for their continued support of the show as well. Uh, hope you guys have a great rest of your Monday. We'll talk with you again tomorrow. Thanks for being here for another episode of the Draft Dudes Podcast. Be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. While you are at it, help the dudes out by leaving a rating and review. Want more? Head over to www.thedraftnetwork.com or follow us at The Draft Network on Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.